Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be up here again with you. And um, last week, uh, we finished our sermon series on uh, Frontline Sundays using the LICC material. I think um, you brought uh, representations of your um, frontline up and laid them before God. That's really great. Um, And today, we're starting a new sermon series. And we've still got our vision focus of greater love for 2020. So we're going to look at some key principles and practices in mission. And over the next seven weeks, uh, we are going to look at seven Ps from Matthew 10 and Luke 10. And we're just really going to try and unpack a little bit about what mission is and, uh, and explore that. And this week's P is prayer. And I think you couldn't get a better place to start, really. Um, Prayer is something that God's really laid on my heart um, for the whole of my life, but really especially as I was praying, it was meant to be Josh that was meant to be speaking uh, today, but circumstances changed, and I really feel like God's given me this message for you guys, and prayer is something that he's really been highlighting to me this week. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people at St. James who are going through some really difficult circumstances and some really difficult times. And um, there's some things that really break my heart that are happening um, at the moment. And they're things that I can't carry on my own. And they're things that they can't carry on their own. And they're things that only God can carry. And so it's in these times of struggle that I've um, been walking with people through that I just, I've turned to prayer. And it really is God that's got to, to come and do something about these situations that various people are finding themselves in. And um, so that's where I've got to. So I want to talk to you about prayer, but I also want to talk to you about the spiritual battle um, that we face and that we're right in the middle of. Um, I want to talk to you about the fact this morning that we have an enemy and that the enemy is at work around us and that we're in a fight. Um, If we want to step out in mission, if we want to see people saved, then we're in a spiritual battle and that we might experience pushback and how vital it is to step out in prayer and to be praying um, if we want to be doing mission, if we're serious about seeing people saved. And the first thing I want to say about spiritual warfare is that I'm not talking about these things to scare you. I know people can get very scared when you start talking about evil. But evil exists whether we realise it or not. Um, The fact that we're talking about it doesn't make a difference to its existence and um, I think my prayer is that we see clearly the spiritual realities that we're living in so that we're able to face them not on our own and but with God and not in ignorance but with wisdom to help us kind of see the wider picture that we're surrounded in and um, my talk this morning is going to be very Bible-based, um, so we're going to. I've got a lot. Of, the Bible has a lot to say about spirit, the spiritual realities that we find ourselves in, and um, it's something that our culture uh, is kind of finds it quite hard to understand. I think we like to think we're very logical and rational, and we're a very materialistic culture, and we find it hard to see spiritual realities. So it's in in our culture. I think it's really important to really read what the Bible says and um, take it seriously and uh, realise that it's going to be something that we try and... that we find it hard to understand and therefore the Bible is really important to help us understand. And um, probably one of the most well-known passages 
about spiritual warfare is Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 to 12. I think it's on the screen. And um, it says, Put on the full armour of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible doesn't shy away from talking about evil. It warns us that uh, we're in a spiritual battle. The Bible says that the devil is the father of lies, that he deceives, divides, and destroys. And uh, our Western worldview can blind us to the reality of this spiritual realm that we live in, living in us, li- that we are living in. I think, I think the enemy's tactic with our culture is to make us think that he doesn't exist, and it works pretty well. Because how do you explain the horrific events that happen in this world if you don't see that evil is real? How do you explain the horrible things that happen to people if you don't, don't realise that evil exists? You blame God, or you're divided against one another, or you don't fight evil because you don't see it. But the Apostle Paul is clear. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And God spiritually equips us to stand against them with his truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and Holy Spirit and word of God. Prayer is our way of standing against the spiritual forces of evil. Prayer is our way of seeing clearly where the battle lies. Ephesians 6:18 goes on to say, "And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people." How alert are we to the spiritual battle that is going on around us? When we do engage, when we do mission, we are engaging in a spiritual battle. There's loads and loads of Bible verses about this, but I just picked out three. Uh, Colossians 1.13 says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Through mission, we are looking to set people free from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into God's kingdom of light. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And another word for destroy here is to dissolve. Jesus came to dissolve the work of the enemy, to destroy the power of evil in people's lives. How amazing is that? We don't have to put up with evil. We don't have to accommodate it. Jesus' blood overcomes the power of darkness. It has the power to set people free from their sin. Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus in in a vision in which he became a Christian, he said to him, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. We can pray that God would open people's eyes to the spiritual reality of darkness and turn towards God's life and be released from the power of evil. The Bible has a lot more to say about the existence of evil, which I don't have time to go into. But it also says that God wins, always. God is stronger. Demons are outnumbered by angels. Light banishes darkness. You light a candle, the darkness goes. 
The war is won, death is defeated, and evil has lost. Someone told me that um, some of the worst fighting in World War II happened after the victory was won, when the enemy forces had no other option but to fight. And I think um, it's, we live in that now and not yet time. The battle has been won, but Jesus hasn't yet come back. And so we are, live in this spiritual battle in which we need to pray. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So the battle rages down here. But actually, did you know that God has raised us up and given us a seat in the heavenly realms? The most amazing thing about this passage is that it's in the present past tense. He has seated us in the heavenly realms now in Christ Jesus. We don't wait to heaven to get our our seat in the heavenly realms. In prayer, we can take our seat there now. I went on a retreat uh, last week, and the retreat leader says she has this, this image of the church um, having these seats in the heavenly realms, but leaving them empty. A bit like, you know, when you watch on TV the Houses of Parliament in a, in a debate, and all the seats are just empty. And um, you just think, why aren't, why aren't our politicians taking up their seats? I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure they're busy. But um, actually, God is calling us now to take up those seats, not to leave them empty. And we need this heavenly perspective to see the reality of what's going on around us and to pray with power. And it's that spiritual perspective that we need to have on our earthly situations. Uh, I love the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. And he is surrounded by an army and it looks like they're going to be defeated and it's all over. Um, And the servant is um, is just in despair. But Elijah says to his servant... Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. If we don't see the spirituality of the army of God that is with us, we might lose hope at the physical circumstances that we find ourselves in but we can ask God to open our eyes to spiritual realities. We can ask God to help us see the armies of heaven that are with us. And when we pray, we can use the spiritual authority that God has given us in Jesus. Matthew 18, 18, uh, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Our our mission from God is to bind the atmosphere of hell and release the atmosphere of heaven, right here and now. God has given us the authority and the ability to do that in prayer. Did you know that Jesus is your brother? Through the cross, God adopted us as his children, and Jesus shares his status with us. We don't need to stand in our own weak authority but we can stand in Jesus' power. Jesus says in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. The thing is that we have to use Jesus' authority and not our own. 
We don't stand a chance against evil if we use the weapons of this world. And too often, I think we try and fight the enemy by using his weapons. If you try and fight hate with hate, then you will fail. If we try and do mission on our own and in our own strength, we will lack the power of the Holy Spirit to transform lives. We need to keep relying on God and not ourselves. And prayer is the best way of doing this. I think part of standing on Jesus' authority is laying ourselves down and letting him strip away the things that we rely on that aren't him. I don't know if you realise this, but when you became a Christian, you didn't sign up to an easy life. You get an absolute bargain, but it costs you everything. It costs you everything to be a Christian, but it's a bargain. And I think too often we misunderstand and we think, oh, Jesus suffered, so I don't have to. But actually, Jesus invites us to share his sufferings. They're light and they're momentary, but they're real. And the Spirit led Jesus into suffering in the desert. The Spirit led Jesus to suffering on the cross. And he didn't regret it. But he does delight when we share in his sufferings. I love 2 Corinthians 4 that says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In your suffering, battle in prayer and clothe yourself with the eternal. I, um, I had a, a description of strongholds, which I think is quite helpful. I think when some of our battles and some of our struggles are when we come against strongholds, um, places where the enemy has control in our lives or other people's lives. Um, and one definition I've heard is that strongholds are mindsets impregnated with hopelessness that cause Christians to accept as unchangeable situations that are contrary to the will of God. Whenever we feel our, our start feeling ourselves hopeless and um, whenever we come across situations that we think won't change, uh, when we can't believe will change, even though we know they're not God's will, then that's a, that's a method of the, the enemy to try and cause hopelessness in us. I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture is one that quite likes to prophesy doom that doesn't like hopeless, hopefulness. Um, for example, the, the, winter, not, the 2012 Olympics, we all said that it was going to be rubbish, and it turned out to be amazing. And I think we just live in this culture where fear has such a grip on the media, um, on all the things, that we need to be prophesying God's hope into our culture. God wants us to speak about how he sees the people around us um, in his light and his life, with his hope. He doesn't want us to speak hopelessness over those people and situations. He wants to speak and prophesy hope into people's lives, to see that they can change, that God's life and kingdom can come. Um, There's an Ignatian spiritual discipline that I've just learned of last week that sounds fancy, but um, I think is really powerful about when we come across strongholds in our lives. um, And it's It's the discipline of acting in the contrary spirit to the spirit that we find ourselves up against. 
So where we find ourselves feeling shame, being bold, where we find ourselves feeling uh, fear to laugh, where we feel ourselves kind of... um, um, trying to explain. Uh, You you know, like, whenever you feel... I don't know if you feel like this these emotions, these negative emotions that come over you or or get put on you by other people. And rather than just accepting them, actually operating in a contrary spirit to overcome them. To notice the spiritual battle that's happening all around us, even in the little things. And that sometimes, I don't think breakthrough is about that kind of having that forceful power, but actually it's those day-to-day small acts of kindness and love in responding in God's spirit to the works of darkness that we encounter. So let's talk about prayer. Prayer is a weapon. It's powerful. And if we want to see people saved, then we are going to need to pray. Prayer is more than a list of requests. It's the positioning of ourselves before God. It's taking up those seats in the heavenly realms and allowing ourselves to be a vessel by which God brings heaven to earth. But how do we pray? Prayer at its simplest is just talking to God. And uh, Pete Gregg has a great model from the prayer course. I don't know how many people went on the prayer course. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And it spells spells out pray, so it's meant to be easy to remember. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. I think this model just helps us um, to move away from seeing prayer as just a list of endless requests but actually to seeing prayer as connecting with God and building a relationship with him like you would a best friend or a spouse and I think that God is calling us at St James uh, to pray in three different ways and the first is joyfully I know you might not connect those words pray and joy in the same sentence um, But we can get very bogged down in our prayer lives. And I feel like God wants us to approach him joyfully. He wants to have fun with us. If you're arty, perhaps you could draw. If you're musical, you could sing. If you're technical, you could draw diagrams or write lists. If you like nature, you could walk and pray. And God made you, and he doesn't want you to become someone else when you pray. He wants you to be more fully yourself. He wants to set you free to enjoy his presence however that works for you. Colossians uh, 4.2, the reading that we had at the beginning, says, be thankful when you pray. I really feel like God's saying that prayer is a gift to us. It's not a chore that we have to do. Prayer is God's gift to us. And we can approach it joyfully. And the second way I feel like God is saying to pray is powerfully and in faith. And that kind of links in with the spiritual battle stuff that I was talking about earlier. The more we pray and the more we align ourselves with God, the more of his power we'll experience. And when we pray, we can stand on the promises that we find in the Bible and use the authority that God has given us in Christ. Colossians 4, our our reading says, Pray that God would open a door for our message. We need to be praying that God would open doors for the gospel in the people around us. And the third way uh, that I feel like God's saying to pray is with perseverance. Colossians 4.2 said, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. 
And that's pretty hard. Prayer is a battle, and I think the enemy doesn't want us to pray. So we need to persevere and push through and really set our minds on praying. Prayer is just something that we have to keep pushing into and not giving up with. The thing about it, praying, though, is that we can't sometimes see what God is doing through our prayers. And I don't know if you've heard the story in the Old Testament of Daniel. Um, he fasts for three weeks. He prays and fasts for three weeks because God gives him this vision of a great war that is coming. And for three weeks, God says nothing. And then an angel appears and says to Daniel, Do not be afraid. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding... And to humble yourselves before God. Your words were heard. So uh, the angel says to Daniel, Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourselves before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. This is in the spiritual realm. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And this, uh, this angel is talking about the spiritual battle that he was going through in order to answer Daniel's prayers and to come and speak to him. And we just can't tell what's going on when we pray, but we can know that our prayers make a difference. Even when we can't see what God is doing, we can have faith that God is fighting for us. So I said I was nearly finished. The last thing that I want to say is that... Um, for St. James, I really feel like God's highlighted uh, this verse to me. Um, I know there's a lot of Bible, but I think it's really powerful. It's 2 Chronicles 7. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I really feel like God is calling us to humble ourselves in prayer. And I think, um, I don't know about you, but there's so many other things in my life that I feel like I'd rather be doing than praying sometimes. And there's something about prayer that requires, us, requires humility uh, to lay down the things that we would want to be doing and to seek uh, to do what God wants to do. I think God is calling us to get serious about this battle against evil that we're going to face if we want to do mission. I think God's asking how much do we really want to see people saved and how much are we prepared to pray for it. I feel like God's calling us to get on our knees and to pray for the harvest and to pray for workers to be sent out and to pray for lives to be changed to take up our seats in the heavenly realms and, uh, and just to pray for his kingdom to come here and now in our world.